Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. Hey, we are on a series, a very exciting series called The New Covenant, and just looking at the, all the glorious things that belong to us in and under uh, the New Covenant. And I'm so excited to talk to you about it this morning uh, the, on the topic of your identity uh, in Christ under the New Covenant. You know, I, when I was a young boy, uh, my dad would, uh, all, every morning, as I recall, either before he left for work or before I went off to school, he would say to me, remember, you're a child of the king. You know, he sent me off to school with that identity. It's a, it's a scriptural identity, a Bible-based identity. You are a child of the king. On Josh's father's uh, tombstone, it says, Denny DeGroat, follower of Christ. And I've always thought that was so appropriate because those three words, follower of Christ, describe Denny so well. That was, that was how he saw himself. That was who he was. That was his identity. And so this morning, we're going to talk about new covenant identity. And this is the identity that Jesus gave his own blood to purchase for you. Your identity is the way that you perceive yourself, the way that you see yourself, the way you think of yourself, what, you, what and who you consider yourself to be. Your identity is answers the question, who are you? And in Christ, you have a whole new identity. You have a whole new way to answer that question. That question, who are you or who am I? In Christ, you have a whole new way to answer that question. And your identity is so important because how you live really flows out of who you are or who you believe yourself to be. How you speak to your husband or your wife flows out of knowing who you are. How you treat others flows out of how you see yourself. Even how you spend your time flows out of your identity, what you think you are or how you see yourself to be. And most importantly, how you relate to God flows out of knowing who you are in his sight. How you relate to the Father, how comfortable you are, how beloved you feel, all of this flows out of knowing how he sees you and how you see yourself before him. Now, as another example of identity, I'm going to point to the Apostle Paul. Paul begins his letter to the Romans by saying, Paul, a servant... Of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. So, right at the beginning of the letter, what does he do? He tells them his identity. He identifies himself. He knows who he is and how he became that, and he has complete confidence about it. And he began other letters in a similar way Paul, an apostle by the command of God, or Paul, an apostle by the will of God. There's no confusion, no doubt, no uncertainty about who he is. He knows it, he believes it, and he can say it 
and he can mean it. And that's where I want us to be at the end of this message this morning. You know your identity in Christ. You know it. You believe it. And you can say it. And you can mean it. And after Paul identifies himself, after he tells the, the Romans who he is, he speaks to the Romans, telling them who they are. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. I mean, he immediately... He, he, he just he identifies them. He starts talking about who they are. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, you are those called to belong to Jesus Christ. So in other words, he speaks to who they are in Christ. He speaks to them as loved, called people who belong to Jesus. And so I want to ask you very simply this morning, do you know who you are? Young, young man, young woman, uh, adult, boy, girl, do you know who you are? How would you answer the question, who am I? You know, so typically people identify themselves by, by what they do. Uh, someone might say, for example, I'm a plumber or a salesman. Um, or people identify themselves by relationship. Uh, someone might say, I am a wife and mother of four children. Some might base their identity on the, on the car they drive uh, or the title on their business card. Uh, or in our day, often I think people actually identify themselves by the brand of clothes or jeans they wear or by how beautiful or intelligent they are. And this is not necessarily to knock beauty and intelligence or some of these other things, but, but your identity is not bound up in those things. Now, we do have what I would call a, a natural or uh, perhaps you could use the word, word worldly identity. I mean, we are a man we, or a woman. We are tall or short. Uh, we have certain things that we can do or like to do. Uh, we can cook or not. Uh, we have uh, positions or roles in our job or in our home. And, and there's nothing wrong with acknowledging these realities, these identities in a sense. But there is a core spiritual identity given to you by God, purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, that far outweighs this natural or outward identity. And this identity that you are given by God far outweighs and matters far more than these. And it should become this identity that you, that you are given by God, purchased for you by the blood of Christ, should become the main way that you see yourself. Now, it's very difficult to choose a, a single Bible passage for this message. I chose the one that Mike read out of Ephesians just because it had so much stuff in there about our identity. But it's very difficult to choose a single Bible verse or passage because there are so many verses in the Scripture that tell us who we are, that that, I, that tell us our identity. Uh, for example, a passage you might not even think talks about identity is 1 Peter 2, 8 and 9. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people belonging to God. You are the people of God. I mean, how much is there in just that one verse about your identity? I mean, on the, on the basis of this verse, you, you are a chosen person. 
You are a person with direct access to God. You're part of a royal priesthood having direct access to God. You are a holy person. You are a part of a holy group of people. Holiness is a part of your identity. If you do not speak or live in a holy way, then you're acting out of character. You're acting really apart from your identity. You are a, a man or woman of God. You are the people of God. You are a young man or young woman, boy or girl, adult, man or woman, of God. You belong to God. And that verse alone, regarding your identity, that verse alone could revolutionize your life and vastly increase your joy. And I could read hundreds of statements from Scripture just like these, and we actually are going to get to some of those a little bit later on. But before we do, there are just some foundational truths that I believe we have to keep in mind when we talk about our identity in Christ. Number one, all of our identity is based on being in Christ. When we believe in Christ, God puts us into Christ or in Christ, and we take on His identity. So really the best answer to the question, who am I, is I am in Christ, and in Christ I am forgiven, justified, holy, washed, clean, beloved, righteous, accepted, dead to sin, alive to God, and on and on and on. You enter this status when you hear and believe God's offer to save you. Ephesians 1.13, which we read this morning, it says, And you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed. Hearing the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, having believed that, it says you were included in Christ. So to be in Christ means that God identifies you with Christ or sees you in Christ. And as far as God is concerned, what is true of Christ becomes true of you or has become true of you. In other words, God thinks of you like his own son. He loves you like his own son. He treats you like his own son. If Christ is accepted, then you are accepted in Christ. You are accepted, as it says in Ephesians, in the one he loves. That's Jesus. You are accepted in Christ. If Christ is beloved, then you are beloved. If he is raised from the dead, then you are raised up in new life now, and will be physically raised from the dead too. If Christ is seated in heaven, the Scripture says you are seated in heaven. You might not understand it. I don't, I don't know that I grasp that all, but because you are so identified with Christ, whatever is true of Christ is spoken of true of you. If Christ reigns, then you reign. If Christ has overcome the world, you have overcome the world. If Christ is glorified, then you are glorified in him. Your life is completely tied to Jesus Christ, to who he is, to his life, his destiny. Your life is tied to Jesus Christ. A, a very poor example of this, but ladies, when you're carrying a child, when, when you are pregnant, that little person is in you. 
And where you go, that baby goes. Your baby is blessed by all the good things that you eat and drink. Uh, Your baby has all the benefits of your life just by being in you. Again, very limited example, but but trying to communicate the idea that, that your life is so completely tied to Jesus Christ that you are in him and whatever is true of him is true of you. Your, your life and your destiny is completely bound up in Jesus Christ. Over a hundred times in the New Testament, it says that you are in Christ. And as many of these verses you're, you're so familiar with, you, you may not even think of that little phrase. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So all of this, really all the riches and blessing and privilege and status and position and, and honor and glory of the new covenant is based upon you being in Christ. You know, it's one thing to be told that you are loved. Or to say, I am loved. And mo- most of you probably aren't old enough to remember this, but there used to be uh, that little campaign. I don't know if it was a jewelry store put it out or what. Everybody wore these little red buttons, I am loved, you know. And so it's, it's almost like we're all trying to convince ourselves we are loved. But being in Christ, this explains why you are loved. Why you are beloved of God is because you are in Christ, and God loves you in Christ. And so this gives you a rock-solid basis for knowing that you are loved. You do not have to just try to talk yourself into it. This isn't just some sort of psychological manipulation. But being in Christ is like this massive, solid, unshakable foundation upon which your identity is based. Your identity of being loved and righteous and holy and all these other things is all based on this rock-solid foundation of being in Christ. And so if you are in Christ, you can say and you can mean it, I am a Christian. I am born again by the Spirit. I am forgiven, declared innocent of all wrongdoing. I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit. I am a child of God, accepted by him adopted as his very own and so much more. And you can say it and you can mean it. All right, number two, number two thing that, that I think is just, before we go on further, is, is really important to, to grasp or have an understanding of is that your identity is bestowed upon you by God. And I don't usually use the word bestowed, but I like, like it in this sense because it's more than it's just, it's more than it's just given. Uh, it's 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 put upon you. It's it's bestowed upon you by God, and it has nothing to do with your own performance. God places you in Christ, then you perform. Okay, performance is always secondary to being in Christ. God places you in Christ, then you live out of that identity, that standing, that confidence of knowing who you are and what God has made you. 
1 Corinthians 1.30 says, By his doing, or by God's doing, you are in Christ Jesus. You don't perform in some way in order to get into Christ Jesus, other than coming in simple uh, repentance and faith and receiving and believing the gospel. You don't perform in any way to be put into Christ. It's a work of God. So your status with God, your identity before God, your favor with God does not have to, have to do with you earning this or doing anything. It is the gift of God. I, your identity is the gift of God. It is bestowed upon you by God as a gift. In the world, people strive for years to attain a certain title, to attain a certain position in their career, to achieve a certain goal in life. But God does things under the new covenant completely differently, quite differently. Under the grace of the new covenant, he gives you the title, the position, the status, the identity. He gives that to you. He calls you saints, dearly beloved children, temples of the Holy Spirit. Then we are told to live as such, okay? But he gives you first the title, the position, the identity. Then we are told to live as such, not in order to become that, but because you are. So go live based on this. For example, Paul told the Corinthians, because you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, then don't live immorally. Your body, you, belong to God. You're a temple, a, a, a dwelling place, a, a, a place where God lives. You are that. So live on that basis. The third uh, foundational principle, I think, that, that really is helpful on this is that until your identity in Christ is a belief in your heart. Okay, I'm going to repeat. I don't like to repeat myself. But I'm going to repeat that. Until your identity in Christ is something you really believe in your heart, it is a powerless doctrine that will do nothing for you. If your heart believes that you are not beloved by God, that's exactly how you will feel no matter what I tell you, no matter what the Bible tells you, no matter what the Holy Spirit tells you. I mean, if you have chosen to cling on to that belief in your heart that you are not a loved person, that you are a reject, that you are unwanted, if you choose to cling on to that in your heart, nothing that we talk about on identity can change that until you have a change of belief in your heart. So all that we say this morning about identity in Christ will mean very little unless you really choose to open up your heart and, and, and to, to take this in, to receive it and to believe them in your heart. We, we can talk all day long about you being in Christ, a saint, the chosen one, beloved by God, dead to sin, a new creation, a child of God, but that's just hot air if you never take these things with faith into your heart and, and begin to, to own them for yourself. You know, it's, not, it's not, just, not just true of everybody else, not just true of the church in general, but owning them for yourself. I, I believe this, I receive this, I take this 
for me. So you must, you must actually see yourself in Christ according to God's word. You know, someone has said, uh, and I believe it's true, our emotions tell us what our heart really believes to be true. Actually, I'm going to repeat that again, too. Our emotions tell us what our heart really believes to be true. And if that statement is true, and I I believe it is, generally true at least, it, it is the beliefs in your heart that keep you in bondage to painful emotions, painful thought patterns, even sinful patterns and failure. And the way to joy and the way to freedom, the way out of this bondage, is to change the beliefs of your heart. So instead of believing in your heart that you are unloved and rejected, you must believe in your heart that Christ, in Christ you are accepted and beloved. Instead of believing that you can't help sinning, you start to believe that you died with Christ and you are freed from sin. Instead of believing in your heart that God was not there for you when you needed him, or that he will not be there for you when you really need him, you now believe in your heart that you are a person for whom all things work for good. Instead of believing that things never go your way, you now believe in your heart that you are always led in triumph in Christ Jesus. Instead of believing that you are dirty and unclean from something that happened to you or that you did in your past... You now believe in your heart that you are washed through the blood of Jesus, that you have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and you adopt that as a, as a belief at the very core of your being, in your heart. All right, and the fourth thing that I have to say before we really get to the core of our message, <laughs> that's a lot of background, But the fourth thing I think is really important is that when we talk about your identity in Christ, we are not talking just about building yourself up through some kind of psychological uh, self-talk technique. It is not just saying things like, I am a champion, I am a person of excellence, I am a winner, I am the greatest thing since sliced bread, and so on. Um, Identity in Christ is not just another word for building self-esteem. In a sense, it really gets your eyes off of yourself and onto Christ. And because these are all things that we're talking about this morning that you have in Christ and only because of Christ. Now, having said that, they do change the way you perceive yourself and feel about yourself, right? They make you a person who knows and feels that they are in a great place of position and status and favor with God. They make you feel that you are an extremely blessed person. So in that sense, it does affect you know, how you see yourself, how you feel about yourself, your, your self-esteem in a sense, but it is all based only in Christ and because of Christ. All right, I have, ch- I have selected six areas of, of emphasis uh, for identity that, that I'd like us to consider this morning. Uh, and by, 
by no means are these exclusive. I mean, there, there's, just, there's just so much in the scriptures that tell us who we are, that it, it, would, take, it would take weeks to, to really plummet the depth of that. But I've chosen three areas of in- emphasis. Number one, you are chosen, loved, and accepted. And I take all of these, they're all found from Ephesians 1. God chose us in him. In love, he predestined us to be adopted. He made us accepted in the beloved or took us into his favor or blessed us in the beloved one. These all have to do with God's initiative towards you, his love, his attitude towards you. He came after you. He loved you. You are not an outcast, but you are a man, a woman, a boy or a girl who is chosen, accepted, and loved. You have been adopted as a child of God with the full love and acceptance of a son and the full rights and privileges of a son. So first area that you see all throughout Scripture, and this is by no means limited to Ephesians chapter 1, you see these things, these same concepts over and over again in Scripture. For instance, we're supposed to, why are we supposed to accept one another? Because we are accepted in Christ Jesus. Paul, when Paul wrote to the Romans, he wrote to those who are loved of God in Rome. I mean, you, you, if, you read your, if you read your Bible, you just see this over and over again that you are chosen, loved, and accepted. Second area of emphasis, which I think is really core, is you are redeemed and forgiven of all your sins. And you need to see yourself that way. You can say, and you should say, I am washed clean. My sins are removed from me as far as the east is from the west. That is your identity. That's how you see yourself. Because you are in Christ, you see yourself justified from all wrongdoing, freed from all charges against you. And you have an unshakable confidence that you are in a state of favor, not of wrath, justification, not condemnation. That's your identity. Third, you are righteous in Christ. You are declared righteous. You are credited with righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Romans 3.22 says, This righteousness comes from, or this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Okay, do you, are you committed? Do you have a real living faith in Jesus Christ? Well, it says this righteousness from God comes through faith to all who believe. This righteousness of God. This gift of, gift of righteousness gives you such a status that those who have it are said to reign in life through Jesus Christ. I mean, it's such a great thing to be, to be given this status of righteousness, this identity of righteousness that we are said to reign as kings in life through Jesus Christ. You are no longer identified with sin and death and condemnation, but now your identity is righteousness. Fourth, you are born of God, and because his seed is in you, you are prone to do righteousness. You know, I know a lot of people probably have problems with this, but I believe this with all of my heart. I I. I, I believe it based on the scripture. 
you are not prone towards sin as you once were, if you are born of God. 1 John 3, 9 says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him, and he cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. That's not a threat. That's a promise. That's your reality. That's something to get excited about. The seed of God remains or abides. It stays continually in you. And so you're not going to continue to sin. You have, you have a new thing that you are prone to. You're prone to righteousness. So not only are you credited with righteousness in Christ, you have righteousness planted within you. You have become partakers of the divine nature. God has imparted his very own nature to you. This is, this is the very essence of being a Christian, is to have the life of God through the Holy Spirit born in you. So therefore, you are a person prone to righteousness. And you need to see yourself that way. You know, you get up in the morning, and I'm, I'm a, I, I belong to Jesus. I am prone to live righteously today. God's seed is within me. God has planted his life within me. Uh, Fifth, and could be somewhat related to this, but fifth, you are a saint, a holy one of God. The Bible addresses us as saints. I mean, as as, uh, difficult as it is maybe even for us to accept that. Saints are holy ones. We are told that we are a new creation. Uh, The Holy Spirit has written his desires, his ways on the tablets of our hearts. That's our reality. That's that's our identity. That's how we think about ourselves. Yes, we do still sin. Uh, James said we all stumble in many ways. Okay? We're aware of that. We keep that sense of humility. And as Paul said in Galatians, we, we... uh, we watch ourselves lest we be tempted. doesn't change any of that. But still, our, our, our new identity in Christ under the new covenant that he purchased by his blood is that we are saints, holy ones. The Bible says we were sinners. We were darkness. We were sons of disobedience. We were by nature children of wrath. But... God made us alive. Now, you are light in the Lord. You were darkness. Now, you are light in the Lord. You know, and I've I've always found this so interesting. I already mentioned it earlier in the message. But, you know, when when the Corinthians struggled with sinning, Paul did not tell them what wicked, worthless people they were. He said, do you not know who you are? Do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? In other words, do you not know that you are saints? Do you not know that you are holy ones in whom God dwells? I want to tell you a little story uh, from C.S. Lewis that he tells in Mere Christianity. And I'm going to preface it by saying, there's, there's lots of ways maybe this doesn't apply to our identity, but there's something I think very important about it that does, and I, and I want you to get this. Uh, he tells a story about a man who wore a beautiful mask 
uh, to make himself look nicer than he really was. And after many years of wearing this beautiful mask, he took it off. And he found that his face had taken the shape of the mask, and now he was quite handsome. Okay, do you, do you see the principle here? In something of the same way, as we put on this new identity of Christ, we find that we are conformed to the image of Christ. We are living like him in this world. We, we adopt this identity that he has given us, and we find ourselves living that out. All right, and sixth, sixth part of our core identity or your, how you should, should see yourself you are a minister to other people. In Christ, you are here for others. Okay, so part of our identity in Christ is that we see ourselves as on a mission, that we, we are giving ourselves away to others. You are God's co-worker, 2 Corinthians 6.1. You are an ambassador for Christ. God is making his appeal to others through you. 2 Corinthians 5.20. You are a light to others to show goodness, righteousness, and truth. Ephesians 5.8 and 9. You have a manifestation of the Holy Spirit given to you for the common good, meaning the good of others. 1 Corinthians 12.7. So, as part of your identity in Christ, you see yourself as being there for others. You, you come to church for God, you come to church for yourself, but you, also, you come to church for others. You, take, you are faithful to certain responsibilities in life because you see yourself as a minister. You see yourself as someone who is giving yourself away to others. You are here for others. All right, I'm going to run down very quickly just several other things we haven't mentioned so far, uh, other things the Scripture says about your identity, and just, just listen to these, and perhaps the Holy Spirit will take one out and, and particularly bless your heart with it. I have someone in, greater in me than he who is in the world. I overcome the world because I am born of God. I am a branch of Jesus Christ. I am chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I am a friend of Jesus Christ. I have been bought with a price, and I belong to Christ to live for him. I am a citizen of heaven. Christ views me as his brother and is not ashamed to call me his brother. I am a person for whom all things work for good. I am free from, all, from charges brought against me, and I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And then from Ephesians 1 that we read, I am a saint I was chosen before the creation of the world. I was predestined to be adopted as his son in accordance with his pleasure and will. I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I am given God's glorious grace lavishly without restriction. I have hope. I am rich with a glorious inheritance. I have a greater power at work in me, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So how do I get these truths down into my heart? First, listen to them with an open heart to what God reveals to you and about who you are. Ponder and treasure them in your heart like Mary did when she heard uh, the amazing things the shepherd said about Jesus. 
So listen to what the Bible says. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Listen to these things and embrace and believe them in your heart. Secondly, acknowledge that you have been believing lies if you have. Acknowledge the lies that you have held on to in your heart for whatever reason. Bring them out into the light. Maybe you have to admit that you do not see yourself as clean and forgiven or that you do not see yourself as a blessed person or that you have been believing that you are unloved or unaccepted or that you are a person who always has bad luck or a person for whom things never turn out well. Acknowledge those um, lies in your heart. And they are, they, these are, these are uh, worldly, human viewpoints about yourself that do not come from God. And then just practice rejecting and abandon any image of yourself that is not from God. Don't, don't define yourself by, by what others uh, have said about you. Don't define yourself by whatever labels have been put on you. Uh, don't base your identity on someone else's opinion of you or on what others have said about you or how your family defined you or how your in-laws define you uh, or even how you've defined yourself. It's all about being in Christ and what God says is true of you now, the, the identity that he has bestowed upon you. So, so determine to receive and believe his counsel as to who you are. Actively put on this new identity. And again, as I said, you know, we live out of this. And... Uh, how, how should people live who have received all this position, this honor, this grace, this identity? Well, Paul says in Ephesians that we are to live in a manner worthy of your calling. Or we could say you're to live in a manner worthy of your identity. So because of who you are, then he goes on to say in complete humility, gentleness, patience, no longer living like the Gentiles, get rid of rage, and malice and bitterness, live a life of love, must not be a hint of sexual immorality. For once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light, or live out this identity. Let's pray. Father, we um, thank you for the incredible grace that you've shown to us by bestowing such an identity upon us as, as we have looked at this morning. And we ask, Lord, that you give us hearts that believe and receive and rejoice in these things. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, remain seated for just another moment. We're, uh,